Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Hannah is here with me today. She was born in Australia. She's living in Berlin now with her husband and two dogs. And she's a Disney freak. And I just noticed that her picture, she has some really cool tats. And you said, Hannah, that you are covered in Disney princesses. (laughs) I love that. When did you start getting tattooed Disney princesses on your body? (laughs) Well, the Disney princesses came when I was 27. Um, But prior to that, Actually, I mean, to get straight into it, my first Disney tattoo was on my stomach and it was like a statement of these tattoos are never going to stretch. They're never having, there's no babies. And that's when I was 22. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I think that's so cool. (laughs) Right. So Hannah, we were just having a short discussion before we started recording, Um, but I want to hear again what we were talking about and kind of go deeper on how did an Aussie end up in Berlin? So this Aussie uh, was in Spain and I was there for a yoga retreat for my yoga teacher. And while we were in Spain, my husband and I were talking to the other participants about we wanted to live in Europe. um, And they basically said there were a lot of them were from Berlin because that's where my yoga teacher was living at the time. And they were like, everyone speaks English in Berlin and your husband will get a job really easy because he's in computing and that's such a huge profession over here. And um, basically they were like, you should move to Berlin. And we said, okay. And that's how we made that decision. (laughs) And it was an easy one. Um, I didn't know your husband also did yoga. So you're both yogis. Well, he's an occasional participant. I think mostly he didn't want me to have all the fun in Spain without him. So he tagged along. (laughs) (laughs) Because Spain is actually a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, tapas, red wine, sangria. It's a wonderful place. (laughs) And the people too. Yeah, I love Spain. So you are a yoga teacher, but this is the one thing that um, I loved about your bio. And it is that you actually have a YouTube channel called Real Yoga that you're trying to promote a style of yoga that allows you to be yourself. You're not like the rigid yoga teacher. Is that what you're trying to, you know, to show your audience? Right. So when I started doing yoga, there were a whole lot of people in the industry that had what I like to call yoga voice, which is that really calming, you know, the one that's super Zen. And like, (laughs) I'm not that Zen. As you said already, I'm covered in tattoos. I swear like a sailor. Um, I crack jokes all the time. And I just had never kind of seen myself reflected in on the mat. So um, when I decided that I wanted to be a yoga teacher, I thought, well, I can't change myself to do yoga. So I'm just going to be myself and see who that attracts. And I actually started teaching in Berlin when I moved here. Prior to that, I was just kind of a little too scared, I guess, to get the ball rolling. Um, But yeah, I found like such a great group of students here. And then of course, took it to YouTube and have now like great international following, I suppose, of people who don't mind a fart joke on the yoga mat because coming. (laughs) 
That's awesome. I think, you know, it's, um, this is something that I, I have actually heard many, many people say time over and over again, time and time again, is you need to keep everything that you do authentic. Um, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you're right. trying to build because it's, I mean, the, your brand should represent you basically. And I also swear like a sailor. So if you see my posts and I'm like, fuck this and <laughs> you know that, and I don't, that's who I am. Right. And I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit edgy. I'm a little bit sometimes I'm a little bit too straightforward and that's who I am. So that's, uh, I think representing yourself in your brand is very important because there's always going to be people who resonate with your message. Right. And I think the yoga industry is already saturated with people who are really calm and Zen and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's great to have that really like, you know, that kind of energy, but I think there's no point trying to fit into that if it's not you because eventually you're going to have to give up the jig and people will find out so you might as well do your thing and then hope that you find your tribe I suppose yeah and how did you get into yoga is this something you've been practicing for a very long time I have actually I've been uh on the mat since I was 17 but in a very kind of on and off again relationship with yoga and I think that's super common for a lot of uh yogis teachers and students both. But I actually came to yoga from an eating disorder. So when I was in high school, I had a pretty severe eating disorder. Um, and I'd kind of developed an aversion towards exercise because it was bad. And it meant that it could possibly be like a slippery slope into kind of relapsing back into my eating disorder. So I'd heard about this yoga thing and um, it seemed pretty chill. I'm like, yeah, that's that suits me. And I think the best thing about yoga, I mean, some people maybe do get into it for fitness and that's fine. And there's a lot of great, you know, things it can do to help you get stronger and more flexible. But um, I just love the way that it, it allows you to just be in your body exactly the way you are. And it's more of a, it's more of a mental kind of fitness, I suppose, training your brain to accept where you're at and um, be really grateful for all the cool shit your body can do for you. So um, I kind of got addicted to that part of it. The, the whole like, yeah, look at my fat rolls, but I'm upside down. Woo. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I loved it. Yeah. Yoga. I love yoga because of how it teaches you how to breathe properly or more than that it actually makes you right. a lot more aware and more conscious about your breathing but I am such a high yeah, strong sure. yeah but I am such a high strong person in terms of energy that uh for me doing yoga is very hard because I feel like I'm not doing anything because <laughs> like I'm just like holding a pose for <laughs> one minute I'm like fuck when is this gonna end um yeah it's really hard right it is hard. It totally is. I think um, I teach more of a flow class, so it might be better for someone like you who has a shorter attention span. Uh, my husband is exactly the same, but it's funny whenever I think that I need to kind of, you know, sweat it out and really get into it. And then I maybe will take a class that doesn't uh, hit that nail and it ends up being a really slow, really chill. Uh, you've just got to kind of hold the pose and breathe. In the end, I always think, oh, actually, that was what I needed. So mm -hmm. you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I understand. Um, and you also have a camper van called Herbert, <laughs> right? I do. 
I did not name Herbert. <laughs> We're in Germany, so uh, they love that name. But uh, we do. He's an old Mercedes um, Dudo, and they're called Dudo because they're uh, built in Dusseldorf. And he's a legend. We love him. He's a big old nugget. <laughs> <laughs> and how, why did you? I mean, I, I've never named them near my cars. That's 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 interesting. Um, how did you name the van? Why did you name the van? So we bought him as Herbert. So he was already named, oh, um, but that was okay. totally part of the reason that we fell in love with him. Because I think it just gave him instant personality. <laughs> and what, where do you take it? Like, what is the appeal of having a camper van in, in Europe specifically? Well, so we bought the camper midway through 2020, the year that will remain. What is it in Harry <laughs> Potter that they say? The one is not... I don't watch. I don't read Harry Potter, so I'm sorry for all the Harry Potter nerds out there for getting that wrong. But anyway, we bought him during the uh, middle of the pandemic because obviously air travel was quite risky and quite difficult. So we thought, well, the camper van is the best way to still travel, um, but sort of stay self-contained as much as possible. Um, and traveling through Europe, I guess it depends which country you're in. But since we live in Berlin and it's so multicultural, there's someone from everywhere in the city. We've made so many friends across all of Europe. So I'm one of those people that if you offer me your couch, I will come and sleep on it. So <laughs> that's sort of that's where we go. We just visit friends and, and camp on their front lawn. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I've always actually... Um felt that I would love to have a, a camper van as well but maybe not in Colombia because traveling around Colombia um, by the road is not it's not fun because of the topography of the country right. there's just so many there, I mean, there's mountains wherever you look so it's like you go up and then you go down and you go up and you go down like the, the Andes is actually three three different mountainous chains in my country so it's just like very annoying um, but it's I mean it would be really cool to like sounds beautiful it's beautiful it is but it's annoying to travel by road um but uh yeah so I think you know having a van maybe because Europe is so in in general is just so flat uh of course there's the Pyrenees and then there's the right. Alps but like in general you could travel around without having to uh go through the ups and downs and ups and downs um but yeah, I mean, I think it's it has its appeal, I guess, to to be able to sleep in the in, in the in the camper and to go wherever you want and to you know just just chill, chill do a chill trip. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think I'm a bit of a hippie at heart. I get kind of itchy feet, so I'm happy to be in transit. And uh, my husband and I actually decided this year, since the pandemic just didn't really seemed like it was moving in a positive direction, particularly here in Germany, um, that we're going to go full time in the van uh, from probably late summer. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Cool. Um, right. So living in Berlin with a van, you have two dogs, you have your husband with you, your yoga teacher. What else do you like to do? What, what, how else do you spend your time other than, you know, doing these activities? Well, sort of pre-pandemic, we moved to Berlin so that we had a base to travel from. So like I said, we're both big travelers and love to kind of 
see new places, try new foods, meet new people. So that's uh, certainly one of my greatest loves. Um, so being a little child of the pandemic at the moment, my first world problem she can't go travel the world <laughs> but um <laughs> that was our main thing but uh yeah at the moment it's been kind of rough since it's just a matter of well hiking is our new favorite thing to do since it's outdoors and it's available to us so we've done loads and loads of hikes um which is fun and nice and and what have you but mostly I'm just a. I'm a, where can we have dinner? In which country can I have dinner and drink wine? So <laughs> that's basically my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Right. So, and uh, there's another thing about you that I think is really cool because I have had a few vegetarians and a few vegans in my podcast. Have you always been a vegetarian or is this something that you embrace later in life? So I've always disliked eating meat. Um, and my mother is Croatian and she was like a typical, you know, European mother that wants to just feed you all the time. And so when I disliked, you know, eating kind of everything, I was kind of a fussy kid. Um, I think it's the forcing of all these foods that made me kind of block them out when I was, you know, able to, when I was a bit older. So, uh, I've sort of been on and off vegetarian since I was about 12, I'd say, um, but it was the United States that turned me fully and we were traveling there. And I just, I mean, it, maybe it was where we were going. Of course, Disneyland was the first destination where, uh, you can't really get healthy food. So we figured, all right, if we just do this trip vegetarian, then at least we'll get some vegetables in us <laughs> for the course of our U S road trip. So that's kind of where it started uh, permanently and yeah, haven't looked back yet. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, it's interesting. So your mom is from Croatia. So I guess that you've been flying back and forth from Australia to Europe since you were very young. Was that you your experience? So. Mm -hmm. No, it's not at all. I'm the total black sheep of my family that has decided to be a, you know, global explorer the rest of my family, which is quite large, not on my mom's side, actually, it was on my dad's side. I have four aunties and all of them have kids. So I got loads of cousins and basically everyone lives 20 minutes from each other in the same town that they were born. So <laughs> that didn't vibe with me so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the explorer then from the family. Yeah. And I don't know where it came from, um, really, because like I said, no one in my family really traveled you know to far off places I think I had some cool aunties that did stuff in their 20s um, but I think that's quite a typical Australian thing to do is to go and travel in your 20s do what I like to call a four-week pub crawl because that's essentially what it is through Europe and then you come home and you know settle down and live your life yeah well it's, it's very interesting that you're having all these adventures and you're also um, you know, putting them up on because Herbert has hit its own Instagram account. So if anyone wants to follow Herbert at the van, I can I will also put the link in the description of this episode. Because <laughs> you're documenting your stories with Herbert at the van. And I think that is so cool. Those um with your dogs and you know, just uh living the life in the road. 
Right. And uh, it's funny because I was very anti-Instagram for a very long time. Um, going back to the eating disorder, it kind of, it shakes up your mental health, right? So I just thought Instagram does not seem like the platform for me. It's like a whole lot of people looking beautiful and, you know, living perfect lives. And uh, it wasn't until last year when the pandemic hit that I thought, oh, I don't really have a way to connect on social media. So I, you know, chomped down and, and, and did it, took the plunge, had an Instagram account for the yoga and then got Herbert and thought, well, it's way more over here in Herbert van life land. So yeah, I have, I have far more fun curating Herbert's Instagram than my own, to be honest. <laughs> You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I want to ask you about your choice to live a child-free lifestyle. So I want to know when you made that decision, why? Tell me everything. So uh, I think I was born to be child-free. I have listened to your podcast a ton, and I know that you asked this question about when did you decide, but for me, I, I just remember from like really young, never being into kids, even when I was a kid, I always kind of sat at the adult table and wanted to, you know, eavesdrop on my mom's conversations with her friends. Um, And I used to joke when I was in high school that I was going to donate my uterus to science when I turned 21, <laughs> <laughs> which I have yet to do. <laughs> that seems, uh, I don't know if that's the uh, current trajectory, but um, yeah, I've kind of always, I've never been maternal and having dogs and like, I've had these guys for my oldest dog is 10 and the other one is eight. And I mean, I get all the time and maybe other dog parents out there get this, um, but you're so good with your dogs, you know, and they think, well, if you're a great dog mom, then you'd be an excellent regular mom. And I always say to them, yeah, but it's socially unacceptable for me to leave the kid outside while I go drinking at the bar. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I've also gotten that like from my mom. I remember once I, because I do, I also have a dog. So you're, um, It's, it's just like my baby. I've been taking care of him since he was two months old and he went through, uh, he actually got cancer. So I had to like be with him, take him to the vet all every, like twice per week. And it was just a whole period. It was horrible. This was back in 2017. And I remember my mom saying to me once, oh, you, you take such good, take good care of him that you're going to be a great mom. And, um, it's totally not the same thing. <laughs> it's no. definitely not the same thing. Well, it's the same thing when they want it to be the same thing. Like when they're convincing you of, oh, you're a great dog mom, so you'd be a good, you know, child mom. But then it's not the same thing if you say things like, I don't know, if you've got friends who are like, my kids do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, my dog did. <laughs> and then you're that weird dog person. <laughs> yeah. And then they tell you, oh, you can't compare a dog with a kid. And then you're like, well, <laughs> I know, I know that. <laughs> so don't tell me that I would be a great person mom because I don't want to be a person mom. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. No, but you know, it's interesting because I do post the question about when did you, you know, embrace tough lifestyle? And this is something I really like to ask my guests because I just, what I want to do through all these interviews is to show people who are listening that there's not one correct way to be child-free. You know, there's people who have known forever, seen, like, for example, you've known since you were a child that you didn't like children. Um, and there are people who actually, I've interviewed people who actually have had five pregnancies, five miscarriages. And after the fifth one, it's like, okay, fuck it. Uh, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they embrace the child for lifestyle and they love it. So there's right. like, I don't think there's like a right way to get where we are. No, I agree. But I do feel like what has happened is we've almost, or society has almost come to accept I think there's two narratives that they accept for child-free women. It's the woman who has tried and hasn't been able to, which is obviously tragic for those involved. And I think people can sort of, they feel sorry for that person or whatever. And they're like, okay, she's child-free, but she wanted children. So it's different. So there's that side. And then I think there's the other side where it's like, they've almost accepted you're child-free if you're this like, super powerful career woman and you're like a politician or you are a CEO or whatever and for a long time I've kind of been in this like I don't I've never wanted kids so the not being have them hasn't been an option and then the other side is this career driven and as you can see already that I'm a big old hippie who just likes to chill and do yoga and enjoy myself. And I'm not like super workaholic. So I kind of had a lot of um, struggle with my identity, even within like the child-free community and how it's accepted by society in that way, if that makes sense. It totally does. But it's very interesting to hear this because... I haven't, I mean, those archetypes or not archetypes, those um, kind of like, you know, those two types of people, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's either the career woman or the woman who has tried. And then she, for me, it's never, I don't think I've ever seen the childhood community like that. I don't know if maybe this is something that you've experienced in Australia specifically, or maybe Berlin. I don't think Berlin is quite open, um, but it's just like there's just so much um so many different points of view like so many different stories so many I know a lot of people who are artists who are child free I know people who are you know career women who are mothers like it doesn't you know I don't think that um because I don't know why people like putting people in boxes basically yeah that's what I mean they do but no I know what you I totally know what you mean because yeah, like you've said, you know, there are loads and loads of child-free people who do not fit into category A and category B. Exactly. Like mothers, we are very diverse and there's loads of us doing things differently and making choices for different reasons. And yeah, I, it's this weird thing that, you know, our culture wants to do is to kind of go, I don't understand you. So I need to label you as something. Yeah. And if you don't fit in that, then like, you're a little scary to me. Exactly. And for the women who are, you know, who have wanted to have kids and then they can't get pregnant for whatever reason, and they can, some of them actually go through IVF and you name it. I have also heard them say, I mean, doesn't matter if they've chosen the child-free path or not afterwards, but 
people, they will say to people, I ha- I couldn't have a child or I tried and it didn't work out or whatever. They're still trying to like process that. And some people immediately go, oh, why don't you adopt? Like there's this, <laughs> you know, why don't you adopt? Why don't you foster? Like there's immediate reaction is, you know, there's other ways to get a child and you should, yeah. right? Right. Oh, and and I trust me, I've had so much of the, you'll change your mind and, you know, why not? And it's just this like total aversion to the idea that you have a the capacity to have a child. So why don't you? And yeah, I just think because I've been so like, it's just been part of my identity, I think, for so long that I've never kind of shied away from those arguments because I'm like, all right, bring it on. Like, what do you want to know? Because, yeah, like I said, for me, it's just so inherently ingrained in me that I just know that I do not have the capacity to look after another human being. And I don't want to, and I've never wanted to. And that's no one else's like decision to make for me. Absolutely. It's no one else's decision except your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I saw uh, um, something that someone published not long ago, um, which I really like because you know how people are always asking us, well, why don't you want to have children? Like if it's a really bad thing, mm-hmm. um, but people don't ask a lot of people, why are you having kids? Why do you want to have children? Like that should be a question that more people should be asking. Right. Um, right. And, yeah. I mean, like I have never kind of understood why you know, I I think because I so didn't want to, I was like, but why? Like, you'll never sleep again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And so there's there's something that I posted on my stories uh, recently, um, (laughs) something on Reddit. So the question was, to those who never want to have a child, what are your reasons? Um, And one of the answers was, you need a good reason to have a child. You don't need one to not have one, just as you don't need a reason not to have a fucking giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that answer because it's true, right? It's, this is something that we should make. It should be more of the norm to ask for people to ask themselves, not to be asked by somebody else, but to ask themselves, why do I want to get a child? Yeah. And I think often the answer to that is, well, it's just one of the things that you do. Like it's the next kind of step in the program. You know, like I was saying before, a lot of Aussies travel in their early twenties, they get back, they get married, then they have kids. Like it's the next natural progression of things. And uh, first of all, I would like to have a giraffe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's no room in my apartment. But uh, I think I think when I was young, for sure, for me, it came out of this like nihilistic outlook where I thought the world's fucked anyway. Why would anyone bring a child into this? And I will say that since I kind of grew out of my grungy years, I've lightened up a little bit. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the world has either. And I think for me, when people have kids and I'm like, but don't you? don't you like see all this like horrible stuff that happens all the time? Like, how could you bring, how could you want to like put that on someone else? I don't know. Maybe I still am a nihilist. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all have our beliefs and I, and I think everyone has, you know, it has to be respected your point of view. And this is something that um, I find that is very 
I mean, nowadays I feel that the world is just so polarized just in general. Right. And it's, it's not about, it's not about tolerating anymore. It's not about you have your point of view. I have mine. We don't see, you know, we don't see eye to eye for whatever reason, but that's okay. Right. Now it's like, everyone's just kind of like tearing each other apart for, you know, just daring to think out of the norm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, I mean, even with my tattoos, like that for a long time was out of the norm. I know a lot of people are tattooed now, but I would have people say to me, why would you do that? What's that going to look like when you're older? Like you can never get rid of it. Those same people are telling me to have a kid. And I'm like, dude, which one is more <laughs> like these are just as permanent as the other. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting down at lunch with my mom and my sister the other day. And I don't remember we we're talking about, I don't remember, but I just said, oh yeah. Like, and I have four tattoos, something. And I do have four tattoos. And my mom was like, well, I'm very happy. I'm not going to be around when you turn 80 just to see how horrible they look in your sagging skin. And I was <laughs> like, mom, <laughs> you wanted me to have children. It's kind of like the same thing in the sense that you wouldn't be around to see how I need to deal with the children when they grow up. So yeah. uh, don't yeah. get me started with my tattoos. I'm going to get more. <laughs> yeah, they're so addictive, aren't they? <laughs> they are. And mine are really small and very dainty, very... And, and they're in parts of my body where you usually can't see them unless I'm like wearing a bathing suit. Um, but, you know, I want to get a lot more. Yeah, for <laughs> my sure. Mom would, I think my mom would swap you then for me uh, or vice versa. <laughs> I think when I got my arm done, she was very upset. I made her cry and then I felt really bad. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, mom. But in the end, it was also like, why are you so upset? And I think she was more upset for what other people were going to think. Yeah. Um, rather than, you know, she knows me. She knows that. I love it. I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's mom's concern, my mom's concern as well. Um, I wanted to ask you too, because well, you have you're married. You've been married for six years, is it? Are you married for six? We've been together for 16. Wow. Mm. So he's known you for a very, very long time. <laughs> and have I you sure been have. like <laughs> have you been on the same page about children since the beginning? Well, actually, no. Um, and that almost became a breaking point at one stage of our relationship where, I mean, like I said, I've always kind of been joking about it in high school and he knew me from high school. Um, and I've always been very adamant about like, no way I don't want kids. And then at some stage he, he certainly did. And I said, look, like, if you want them, I'm not going to deny that for you, but I'm not going to be the person who does it. Um, and then I think we both just gave ourselves a little time and space to make the decision because it is a big decision, you know, either way. Um, yeah. And he came back and he was like, no, I love you. And I love you more than, a, you know, a potential other human. Um, but then it was always, I think for me as well, I just always kind of left the conversation open because I've been told so often as a younger person that when you're older you're ch you'll change your mind like something will happen magically in my being and then I'll change my mind so I was always like well I can't rule it out because maybe I'll change my mind and then I remember when my sister gave birth to her first child 
um, she was quite young and we were waiting in the hospital room and I was hearing those awful noises coming out of her going, oh my God. <laughs> and, but putting so much pressure on myself to go, this is it. This is going to be the moment where you're going to see this baby that's just come out of your sister and you're going to be so in love and you're going to have all those feels that everyone keeps talking about. And then it happened. He was out and we went into the room and I looked at him and all I could think was, you just tore the shit out of my sister. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just didn't have it. And, and I was so like, I really was disappointed in myself um, because I just thought that was going to be it. Like, you know, you were going to have it and you were going to almost kind of love your husband enough to do it for him. Um, but yeah, the, and when we got married, after we got married, that was 10 years, obviously into our relationship. And even though I'd been very overtly, you know, uh, happily going to never have children, the second we got married, it was like, okay, so when are you having kids? And I was like, I'm sorry, did I like transform to a different human? <laughs> um, and I was really confused about that. And yeah, and I just was like, why does everyone think that that's what's going to happen next? And I think I felt like super duper pressure from relatives and even like not my husband necessarily, but I almost thought because he was like in the mix. Um, and I said to him, I'm like, look, like this is getting intense. I need to tell you right now, like it's never going to happen. Um, and again, we kind of did the time and space thing and, and he was like, okay, cool. Like, let's have the most awesome life ever then. And we were, and now we're, you know, living in Europe. <laughs> well, that's a great story. Um, you know, when you mentioned the, the whole, you know, you got married and people started asking about pregnancy, that's what happens. Right. And then this is what I've heard from people. I, I've never been married, but one of my very close friends, she got married a couple of years ago and we were at the party. Like she had just come, like, they got married in a church and like, you know, Catholic country and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. We were just starting the party and her mother-in-law, like there was a very short speech. And so the parents talk, blah, blah, blah. And her mother-in-law was like, well, she was doing her speech. And then she was like, and now that you're married, we're waiting, you know, we are, we can't wait for grandkids. And I was like, fuck. It hasn't, oh <laughs> like, at, the wedding. <laughs> like, at the wedding, like we can't wait for grandbabies. And I was like, she just, she got married like 10 minutes ago, woman. Like what the, like, why? <laughs> and, and she, and I actually had um, a conversation with her and her husband recently we went out for lunch and he, when they got there, he was mad. Like, what had nothing to do with me. I was just like, why are you so like angry today? And he was like, my mother-in-law is driving me nuts. And my mom's driving me nuts because they keep asking when we're going to have babies. Like they, they just won't stay away from the subject. And he's like it's my fucking decision and I was like yeah welcome to my life dude because <laughs> totally. I don't and the guys get it so much less don't they like yeah. Yeah. my husband certainly does get asked and he's become quite an advocate for me because I think he sees it like being aimed at me so often now that he's ready to like arc up you know arc back about it which is is it's nice to know you've got someone like on your side but uh yeah. Oh, at the wedding? No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I would kick them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you said, the guys get it less, but I think, I think this, it was, there were the two of them were together uh, having lunch with, you know, it's the, both of the moms, uh, her mom, his mom, they're both uh, pushing for, for, for grandchildren. And I don't know if they want to have kids. I don't think they've actually even made up their mind about that. Um, right. My, uh, my mom's pretty good. Like even to the point, she's quite honest about like, saying, you know, when I was younger, everyone told me I was maternal, but I didn't really know where that came from. And of course she doesn't regret me or my sister. Um, but she also very much understands why I don't want to, and is very supportive of me not doing that. She's like, if you don't want to have kids, you really should not have them. Um, but on the flip side of that, my father offered me $50,000 to have a baby. <laughs> what? Yeah, he came into some money when his mother died and what she'd kind of left in the will. And yeah, granted, that turned into quite a very kind of sad situation because I just felt like, wow, after all this time, you still just don't get me. Um, yeah, and that was pretty, that was pretty tough there for a while especially since his favorite poem and he used to recite it all the time was this, um, this be the verse. Do you know the one by Philip Larkin? I don't think I know it now. It's a great poem. And it basically, I think it ends with basically saying, don't have any children yourself, but it starts by saying they fuck you up. You're a mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. And the whole poem is about like, you're fucked up because your parents were fucked up. So maybe you shouldn't have any kids because <laughs> you're just going <laughs> to fuck them up too. <laughs> so on one side, he would recite this poem all the time. And then on the flip side was desperate for me to procreate. And uh, yeah, so that was weird. <laughs> that is strange. But, you know, it's not the first time I hear that. And I don't, you know, parents would be like, oh, have it, have it, have it tell their children have a have a child have a grand give me a grandchild and I'll pay for you know the school or university or the whatever the apartment I'll buy you an apartment I'll you know there's just um they try to like I think they don't I mean the from the things that I've heard from the people that I've heard this before it's more about I think the intention is more about the parent thinking that the reason they don't want to have children is just purely financial Mm, so right. just kind of like wanting to give their kids a hand in a way uh, yeah but it's it's not always I don't think I've ever met one single person who has said to me the only reason I don't want to have children is because I can't afford them like right. there's a, a lot more reasons that is just like one if that's one of the reasons that's just one in between of many other reasons of course and I mean plenty of people who can't afford them still have them yeah and I always thought like, well, if, imagine in another universe where I'd said yes, to, yes to that. And my kid's like, tell me about the story of how I was born. I'm like, well, mommy needed to pay off some loans. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just was like, I, yeah, that one blew my brain a little bit. So we've since, uh, we've since amended that. And luckily, like, like I said, my sister's she's pumped out too and they're wonderful and I love them very very much and great thank you sis <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you sis. I don't know I have a younger sister and I I really I she wants to have children but she's not a mom yet um 
And I keep telling her, have it. I'll be like the best auntie ever. I'll be like, and and my parents too will have, you know, the grandkids that they want to have. But I would definitely, kids, it's not something that I want. She knows it. Um, but, you know, I do want to be an aunt. Is that a bad thing? No, being an aunt is, is fun. I mean, I'm not a real smushy kids person like when they're still small and don't talk and can't use the bathroom like that's not my time to shine my time is like let's go to Disneyland and yeah when I can go and spoil them and and buy them alcohol when they're older (laughs) when they're not allowed like I'm totally going to be that aunt and let's I won't uh, let my sister listen to this podcast but yeah they know they know I'll be cool auntie Hannah (laughs) for sure yeah, I think I think I would be the cool aunt too. Well, we'll see if that happens uh, for the moment, not anytime soon. But you know, uh, I would really like to experience that. Yes, for sure. Well, Hannah, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Before I let you go, is there anything else you would like to add to your interview? Anything at all? Uh, I guess just you know, if you're on the fence. Do your research and everyone go and find out the This Be The Verse poem by Philip Larkin. If you're child-free, you'll enjoy it. (laughs) Thank you so much for that suggestion. And for my firecrackers, as always, I'm going to leave you in the description of this episode, Hannah's website, realyoga.com.au. And I'm going to leave you the links to her social media as well. Um, Thank you so much again, Hannah, for being here. It was a real pleasure to have you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, Please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire. <laughs>